this exciting series on the, the gifts of the Spirit. And before we launch into our main topic today, which is the, the word of knowledge, I'd like to just quickly recap on the journey that we've been on so far in the last couple of weeks. We began this series looking at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember that? A couple of weeks ago. And it was wonderful, of course, to hear so many testimonies of people receiving uh, the gift of tongues. And what is also wonderful is that with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is not an end in itself. Amen? It's only the beginning. Amen? Turn to the person next to you. Tell them it's just the beginning. Amen? It's the gateway. It's the gateway through which we enter into a new realm. It's the supernatural Realm. In fact, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not necessarily just to speak in tongues. We know that, of course, that is the initial evidence. But the main purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to receive power for witness. It's to receive power. And so, after speaking in tongues, we can go on, of course, to exercise other supernatural gifts of the Spirit. That means that, of course, for us individually, we must guard against the danger of feeling like that we have arrived when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because it's just the beginning. It's just the start to a wonderful life in the supernatural. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we made an opportunity for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you were here and nothing really happened, let me encourage you today that it doesn't mean that you're not eligible for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. If you look at church history, you will find that uh, very, a lot of people that have been used of God and, uh, and have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, they prayed for this for days or weeks or months on end until God came upon them. And so every one of us, amen, is eligible for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it happens to you, of course, after conversion. It's subsequent to conversion. In the early church, the, the book of Acts, every convert, every believer was expected to receive the baptism on the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. They were expected to, re- to receive this supernatural uh, from the start. So for, for right from the onset, the first Christians were not strangers to the supernatural. And so this baptism, again, is the gateway. It's the gateway through which we enter into the spiritual realm. I mean, how many know that there's nothing natural about speaking in tongues? How many of you speak in tongues? There's nothing natural about speaking in tongues. It's a supernatural language that God gives us. And of course now the door has been opened to us to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. Come with me please to Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4. I like to use this text just to launch us into our... Main topic today, Hebrews 2.4, says this, God himself testified to the validity of the gospel message by signs, wonders, and various miracles. And here it is, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. What is Hebrews talking about? It's saying that there were amazing miracles, there were signs and wonders, there were Gifts of the Spirit that were being poured out upon the early church. This was a a church that was in its infancy, but it was all of this was being poured out upon the early church. These things that were taking place were almost validating the gospel message. And so it's important for us to understand that these are our roots. We are a Pentecostal church. In the early 1900s, there was a a wave of mighty movings of the Holy Spirit and baptisms of the Holy Spirit. Revival breaking out. But when we look at the Bible, we say that these, the early church is really our roots. This is the place where we want to return to, where we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And I find this really exciting because I think of Kensington Temple. Kensington Temple is an international church. That means that we're not just a church that is full of many different nationalities. I think it's around 120 different nationalities that we have here. But also we are a church that are seeking to reach the nations. Amen? It's an international church. And I want you just to imagine with me, think of the impact that would happen if all of a sudden the gifts of the Spirit started to manifest and awaken 
in your life like never before. Across the, the nations that are represented here in, in Kensington Temple, the gifts coming alive, the gifts being revived in every believer, us being awakened to the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. How many want that? This is the kind of church that God wants to raise up in our day. It's not about just a small minority of people functioning in the gifts of the Spirit, but the whole body, amen? The whole body functioning in the gifts of the Spirit. It's been very encouraging and also very challenging hearing R.T. Kendall over the last few months talking about, or almost prophetically sharing, about a move of God's power that God wants to bring upon the church. Bringing an awakening, waking the church up from its sleep. Waking this, this giant, this sleeping giant as it were. The church being raised up as a nameless and a faceless tribe of people who are operating in the gifts of the Spirit in these last days. And this, uh, of course, will mean, and this is what R.T. Kendall's been saying, is that this will me- mean that there'll be an awakening to the power of the Holy Spirit in the church. How many are excited about that? There's going to be an awakening of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that also means if there's going to be an awakening of the power of the Holy Spirit, there's also going to be an unprecedented move of the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing through your life. And so this is where we're going. This is why we're studying this and being trained and equipped in this topic. The church is being raised up for greater things to come. Amen? You'll see whenever you start reading any books or church history about revival or the gifts of the Spirit, you'll see that whenever there was a move of the power of the Holy Spirit is accompanied by a move of the gifts of the Holy Spirit being revived in believers. And these gifts are supernatural. And that means there is no limit to what God can accomplish through the, the gifts of the Spirit. Also, there is no limit to whom God can give them to. Now, these gifts are mentioned in 1 Corinthians where... Paul lists nine different gifts. Come with me quickly to to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read this through. Refresh our memories. 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And here it is, verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, isn't it interesting that right at the beginning of this chapter in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. You notice that? How true this is for us as believers, no matter how long you maybe have been saved. How easy it is for us to be ignorant of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How easy it is sometimes for us to put them off or to ignore them or to not make room for them. Paul says, don't do that. Paul is saying, they are tools. These gifts, they are gifts that God has given for us to get the job done. Amen? No matter, you know, if we, if we were to look, look at the, the working world, if we were to look at uh, a manual worker or a laborer or a builder, he would certainly not approach any job without having the right set of tools. And so it is true in the Christian life. In the Christian life, we need the gifts of the Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing through our life to be a powerful witness. And Paul says they should, of course, be used for others, not for ourselves. The major purpose, of course, is for the edification of the church, for the common good. 
And in 1 Corinthians 12, go and look at that with me again now, we see that there are three different classifications of gifts. One classification is power gifts. You see that there in the list. Some of these power gifts are faith, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, and the gift of miracles. Uh, A second classification would be speaking gifts. And those gifts are like prophecy or uh, the interpretation of tongues or tongues. Uh, and then, of course, thirdly, is the revelatory gifts or revelatory gifts. A bit of some Americanisms coming out there. The revelatory gifts, wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So three different classifications of gifts that we see there. And what's important for us to realize is that Jesus operated in all of these gifts. Amen? He operated in every one of these gifts. And these flowed out of his ministry. They were exercised as he went about his just daily life, as he was meeting and bumping into all kinds of different people, as he was traveling from A to B. Jesus had amazing skill in ministering these gifts. And I think that says something to us even right there, that if Jesus had to minister in the gifts, how many know we need to minister in the gifts of the Spirit? Jesus needed to operate in the gifts of the Spirit to get the job done. And that's, of course, true for ourselves. And so last week, and this week, and of course next week, we're focusing on revelatory gifts. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. And then of course next month we'll be looking at the power gifts, we'll be looking at the speaking gifts. And so here we go. So three gifts, knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. These are called gifts of revelation. This means that this is supernatural information that is received from the Lord. And so it's important for us to to look at this and identify, of course, what the word of knowledge is. Because this is um, God's given ability, God's ability for us to receive facts or information from Him that is actually humanly impossible for us to actually know about. This is what a gift of revelation is. When God allows us to see things, God allows us to hear things that are actually humanly impossible for us to know about. It's supernatural. And so the word of knowledge is supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God. Now, an important note for us to, to see here in, the, in, in 1 Corinthians 12 is that the gift uh, of the word of knowledge is, is not the, the gift of knowledge. It is a word. A word of knowledge. And a word sometimes is just a fragment or a part of a sentence. A word of knowledge is just a part of God's knowledge. He gives us a piece of his knowledge, maybe for a particular situation that we we need his help on. Even though it's true, of course, that the Lord has all knowledge and he knows everything about absolutely everything, he doesn't always reveal everything to us. Anybody notice that? He doesn't reveal everything all at once. For example, we may think of, of a lawyer. How many lawyers have we got in the house today? Anybody here is a lawyer? Okay, we've got one or two. Well, a lawyer will probably agree with me, hopefully will, but you may have knowledge in all different aspects of law. So you have a broad spectrum of what uh, the, the law is. But sometimes, of course, you will only release certain, a certain piece of knowledge for a particular case. Last week, Christian was talking about the word of wisdom. But see, the word of knowledge and the, the word of wisdom often work together. An analogy would be uh, like the artist and his paints. Any artists here in the house today? Okay, fantastic. Great to have you here. Welcome, artists. Love, got big respect for artists. But um, artists, an artist without his paints is helpless. But without an artist, the paints, of course, are of no use. The paints, they correspond, of course, to the word of knowledge. And the the artist corresponds to the word of wisdom. The artist, in other words, knows what to do with his paints. And so this is how the two gifts work together, together. So to simplify it, knowledge is the ability to state facts about something. But wisdom is the ability to take those facts and, of course, for us then to be able to apply them to life. It's said in the medical field, how many doctors in the house? No? Okay, not too many doctors here. In the the doctor's field, the research scientists might discover 
certain facts, but it is the physician who, of course, puts them to use. And so the word knowledge is what we would call fact. The word of knowledge is fact. In other words, if something is knowledge, there isn't any mystery to it. It's a, a fact. And so this is not a gift that is actually, you know, trying to make good guesses or perhaps trying to work up the imagination or to, to you know, work the mind. This is a gift that is a fact from God. This, is, this gift of knowledge is not something that we can try and find, you know, from being qualified or trained from university or going to website and books. The gift of knowledge flows from the heart and mind of God. Amen? It flows right from Him. And so it's something that we could not have naturally known. It's not something that we have heard with our natural ear or with our, seen with our natural eye. A word of knowledge often is something that actually brings revelation about the past. It's uh, something that brings revelation also about the present. So about the past and the present things. And I've seen, uh, it when I was, especially when I was a teenager and I was living in the States, there was a special move of the Holy Spirit taking place with a lot of the gifts of the Spirit were taking place. I especially saw how the, the gift of uh, knowledge and the gift of prophecy often work together. Because, of course, with the word of knowledge, what happens is it reveals a revelation about the past and the present, but prophecy brings revelation about the future, amen, about what God is about to do. But this gift, this word of knowledge is received by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as the Bible says, distributes these gifts as He wills. And there's a real secret there where it says He distributes the gifts as He wills. Because it tells us that the Holy Spirit is more than just a power. The Holy Spirit is more than just some kind of impersonal force. He's more than just a symbol of wind and fire and water. Some of those things that we refer to of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And this is so important when we consider flowing in the word of knowledge. Or indeed any other gift that we want to flow in. It's so important that we recognize that the Holy Spirit is a person. Amen. He is a person. And I say this because I think sometimes we have made the mistake of referring to the Holy Spirit as a thing rather than a person. It's like I somebody use the analogy of, of you, you know, go to the, to the gas station, uh, or maybe not gas station, petrol station. You go to the petrol station, and of course you go to fill up. And why do you go fill up? Because you're running, you're running empty. And so, of course, you get the nozzle out and you fill up. And I guess it's similar to the way sometimes we, we, we do church sometimes. We, we welcome people to come to the front and come get refueled and to get refilled. And that's all wonderful. And God presents himself in a, in a strong way, receive more of his presence and his, his spirit. But if we're not careful, we can sometimes not accent his person. When we think of Jesus, of course, we often think of him as a man. We think of him as a person. We imagine him sometimes with, you know, olive skin or a long beard and a long hair or whatever kind of picture you have of Jesus. But we think of him as a man. And Jesus, of course, told his disciples that another is coming. That another, a helper, a counselor is coming. So it's important for us, if we're going to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, that we encounter the person of the Holy Spirit. He's the counselor, the helper. That means, of course, he has a divine personality. The, the Holy Spirit has a mind. He has a will. What do we do with our minds? We think, we, we plan, we devise, we, you know, we comprehend. There's intelligence in all of the Holy Spirit's work. And when we think about the attributes of God, uh, I think it was Gabriel Channing, the first week was talking about the attributes of God. When we think of God, we know Him as all-present. We know Him as all-powerful, but the Holy Spirit possesses the divine attributes of God. That means that He's everywhere. Amen? The Holy Spirit is here right now. He is all-present. He is all-powerful. But also, catch this, He is all-knowing. The Holy Spirit has total knowledge. A reference for that is 1 Corinthians 2.10. And this is why he is able to help us with the word of knowledge, giving the word of knowledge to us. Now, 
today we, are, we could say that there are many different kinds of knowledge out there. I just want to list a few just to give us an idea of how the word of knowledge is different to worldly knowledge. There are four different classifications of knowledge that, there, that we may experience. First one is natural human knowledge. Natural human knowledge. Knowledge is on the increase all the time. Natural knowledge is on the increase all the time. We live in the age, of course, of the microchip and the computer and massive technology that is always developing. Man's knowledge is always expanding. It's developing. It's, it, it reminds me, you know, when I think of this, I think of my six-year-old boy, Evan, and the kind of stuff that he's learning at the age of six that I had no clue about when I was, of course, six years of age and the things that he comes back knowing about when, from, from being at school. Very often, sometimes the kids are t- teaching the parents. Anybody experience that? And so even today, in, in terms of the internet, there's a mass of natural knowledge that we are exposed to. And you, you, know, you can go, go on the internet to find pretty much anything that you want to know about, any topic. So there's natural human knowledge. Secondly, there is supernatural counterfeit knowledge. How many know that's real? Supernatural counterfeit knowledge. This type of knowledge is also on the increase. And if you've noticed, maybe you've seen some of the programs that have been around for the last few years. Supernatural counterfeit knowledge. And so this is a knowledge that can be obtained sometimes through the psychic realm and the occultic means. And uh, it can come through perhaps drugs. It can come through music. Music is a powerful influence. Um, It can come through cults, fortune telling, all these different things. Uh, And these can be satanic counterfeits for the real knowledge that comes from God. And so we need to remember that whilst there is a Holy Spirit, there are also unholy spirits that are out there. That are trying to infiltrate other people's lives. So there is natural human knowledge. There is supernatural counterfeit knowledge. Thirdly, there is true spiritual knowledge. How many love true spiritual knowledge? Amen. True spiritual knowledge. And this comes simply by knowing God. This comes by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. This comes by being led and filled with the Holy Spirit. By studying God's Word. Knowing about His will and His direction for our life. The starting point of all true intellectual knowledge must ultimately be God. Amen? And then fourthly is the gift of the word of knowledge. And that's, of course, what we're looking at today. This knowledge is given by the Holy Spirit. It is a word. Often, sometimes, it's only a word or maybe a phrase or a sentence. But it comes in a moment. Sometimes it comes spontaneously. You didn't even expect it to come. And all of a sudden, a word of knowledge comes. It's given at a specific time. And it comes for a specific situation. There is a purpose behind it. Now, I just want to quickly run through a few Old Testament and New Testament examples of how the word of knowledge actually functioned. Because one of the characters that functioned in the word of knowledge was Elijah. How many remember Elijah? Elijah is one of the greatest Old Testament prophets. And uh, in 1 Kings 19... Don't have to go there now, but just maybe jot it down. 1 Kings 19, we read that that Elijah's in a sticky situation. I mean, he's really thinking like he's, you know, he's on death's door. And he's going through it really a a tough time, a a tough uh, time of attack. And Elijah is basically saying this, I've been jealous for God. I've not faltered. Even in the face of the Israelites that, that, you know, that they've turned their back on God. They're even trying to kill the prophets. He says, I've been jealous for God. I've kept to God's covenant. And he's thinking to himself, but I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. This is what's going on in this, in this scripture. And so you can imagine, can't you, that he's freaking out. He's going through a tough time. And he's thinking he's on his own. And then supernaturally, God comes, and he says to him, Elijah, I still have 7,000 left in Israel. 7,000 who have not bowed down to other idols. How many know that would be good news if you received that? Amen. Okay. That's a lot of people. 7,000. Elijah was saying, I'm a dead man. He was saying, I'm the only preacher left. I'm the only prophet left. You know, they're, gonna, they're about to wipe me out. But then God comes supernaturally with a word of knowledge directly to Elijah. There are another 7,000 more who have not bowed down to idol worship. I think that made his day. 
And so in other words, then God says to him, I just want you to get on now to do what I've called you to do. I want you to go anoint Elisha. But you see here in this scripture, Elijah, he thought he was on his own. He knew nothing about this army, but God had an army. And I wanted to say to maybe one or two of you here today that you may be going through a profound time of loneliness right now. You're going through a real time of wrestling with various different emotions. You're feeling lonely. You feel like it's all over for you. Maybe you're a mother at home. Maybe you're struggling with paying your bills. You're struggling to to look after your kids. But I want to tell you today some good news and that God is with you. Not only is He with you, but He is for you. Not only that, but He has surrounded you, amen, with an army. So that you don't have to go through things on your own anymore, amen. God is looking after you and He will bring a breakthrough for you. And so I love this story. God reveals this to to Elijah supernaturally. He revealed this direct word of knowledge to him. That of course he would not have known naturally. It was supernaturally received and it encouraged him. We could look at even Elisha, who Elijah anointed to be the next prophet. Elijah or Elisha is probably the, the person who functioned in the word of knowledge more than anybody else in the Old Testament. And a scripture reference that you might want to jot down is 2 Kings 5. I love this story as well. 2 Kings 5. We read about Naaman. Who was Naaman? He was, he was an army general. So he had a lot of responsibility and authority. And then... Uh, Of course, what happens is Elisha tells him he needs to go bathe in the river seven times to be healed. So Naaman eventually goes to the Jordan River. He gets healed of leprosy. And then, of course, Naaman is probably so overwhelmed, he wants to give a gift to Elisha. But Elisha said, I don't want to to receive your gift. That's not what it's about. And, uh, you know, we don't receive gifts for necessary function in the gifts. And so he just leaves it at that. But his uh, assistant, uh, Gehazi, Elisha's servant, He decided in his mind to take the gift. And so he runs after Naaman's chariot and he tracks him down and and tells Naaman that he's he's got some people that he knows about. I don't know if this was true or not. He knows some people uh, that that need some money, need some clothes. And so what happens is Naaman then, of course, gives him this gift. And Gehazi wasn't, of course, planning to tell Elisha. But see, when Gehazi got home, what happened? Elisha said to him, did my spirit not go right along with you? Did I not see what happened? The word of knowledge was so operating in Elisha that he actually saw Gehazi take the money from Naaman. I think sometimes in this story, I think, oh wow, wouldn't it be wonderful if parents function in this gift of knowledge? (laughs) You can say to your children, did you not think I saw you get in that cupboard and steal some of those biscuits? I'm asking the Lord to work on me with this one right now. I tell you, it's needed. Nah, we never have those problems. No. <laughs> Two boys, keep us on our toes. But the word of knowledge can come for different situations. The word of knowledge can come for all kinds of different reasons. In fact, in 2 Kings 6, another reference for you, we see another example of how this word of knowledge comes through Elisha. What happens is the armies of Syria were against Israel. Another sticky situation that was taking place. And Elisha was the one who told his king, don't forget back then that the prophets actually spoke to the kings. They prophesied to them. How many know, I think we need some prophets today that speak to our leaders, amen? We need prophets rising up today. In our generation. And so here comes Elisha. And he said this, the enemy are hiding out on the southeast. And uh, what happened? The king then, of course, found them. And Israel won that battle. Elisha was telling them like a spiritual spy. This is what 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 he was like. He was telling them where the enemy was. And as soon as the Syrian king cottoned on the fact that, of course, uh, that something wasn't right, he's thinking, somebody's broken rank here. This, this is not quite right. Someone's really betraying us. And then his own people come to him. And they say to their Syrian king, you know, that it's not us. They've got Elisha. They've got a prophet, Elisha, who knows everything. How do we know that would be a good person to have on your team? Yeah? 
Sometimes you might be facing a, a very difficult situation and, or injustice and God directly sometimes brings a word of knowledge that exposes the devil's tactics. God brings a word that exposes the devil's plan. Sometimes God brings a word of knowledge that exposes wrong motives or a wrong spirit or a wrong attitude. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're someone who has been suffering with some form of mistreatment. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in the family. You're being falsely accused. You're going through mistreatment. People are saying all kinds of things about you. Maybe they're trying to damage your reputation. But God knows what's taking place. Amen? God knows what you're going through. It's not your job necessary to avenge yourself or to try and get justice of your own. God will avenge you. God will come to your aid. God will rescue you. Amen? God will see that he'll bring a breakthrough. So there's, God's the one who brings spiritual intervention. And so this is how this word of knowledge came to Elijah. It wasn't natural. It was supernatural. It was supernaturally received. It was spiritual. And so this shows us, I love this story, because the gifts of the Spirit have often sometimes been given like weapons. Weapons to defeat the enemy. The word of knowledge is a weapon sometimes when the enemy tries to come and seek and destroy. Don't forget in this context with this story with Elisha, this was in the context of enemy warfare. Sometimes God brings you a word that exposes the enemy. Maybe he'll bring you a word today for a situation that you're in. He exposes the enemy where he is hiding. Where the enemy is seeking to get access. And this might be sometimes in prayer. The word of knowledge comes. And why does it come? Just to help you actually pray effectively. The word of knowledge comes for you to be able to target that thing and to get victory. Amen. God brings a word of knowledge. Knowledge. He exposes the, the, the devil's tactics, his strategies. And so this is how sometimes God can intervene in prayer. There are other uh, references in the Old Testament about the word of knowledge, and we don't have time to go into them, but I like some of them when the word of knowledge was used to find lost property. How many like the idea of that? Yeah? Especially you lose your, your, your wallet or your purse. And uh, it's a great mystery to have, the lost property ministry. But um, in fact, there's a cool story in Luke where Jesus tells two of his disciples to go into the village to find this donkey. And, uh, and of course, it had never been ridden before. And then he tells them, of course, where to find it, supernaturally. Isn't that cool? And so um, the word of knowledge can often sometimes be used to find things. And, uh, and so it's a very neat way in how the word of knowledge can actually function for us. As we move from the Old Testament... We, of course, come into the New Testament. I just want to look at a couple more references, just kind of broaden our mind of how the word of knowledge can work. We see Jesus in the New Testament operating, of course, profoundly in the word of knowledge. He had incredible skill in operating in the word of knowledge. And uh, one famous example is one that we be very familiar with, and it's the word of knowledge working in John 4, 7 to 18. John 4, 7 to 18. And this is the story, in a nutshell, where Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at the well. We've heard the story before. But she came to, to draw water, and she sees Jesus there. And Jesus is obviously thirsty, so he puts himself at her disposal and says, you know, that he needs, needs a drink. Anyway, she looks at him. She notices that he's a Jew. And, of course, she realizes, of course, that she's a Samaritan. And, of course, the two don't really mix uh, socially, big time. And... Uh, Anyway, they're talking, they start talking about what worship is. And they talk about what real worship is in spirit and in truth. And then Jesus finally comes out with the big, you know, home run question. He says this, call your husband. And she says, I'm not married. In fact, and then Jesus says, well, actually, you're telling the truth. In fact, you've had five husbands already. And the one that you're with right now is not your husband. And this is how the scripture really kind of expresses what's taking place. All of a sudden, she's taken back. She's overwhelmed by the fact that Jesus Christ has told her everything that she's ever done. What happens? She runs back to the city and she tells the city, come and see a man who told me everything that I have done. This is how the gift of the word of knowledge works in evangelism. Some of you, of course, may have experienced that before. 
Jesus knew facts about her life that nobody else knew and that he wouldn't have known naturally. They were supernaturally received. It was spiritually revealed. And what happens is it creates this incredible uh, wonder and sense of awe that God could speak to her in the way that he spoke to her. The word of knowledge led her to believe in Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit have been given to us to get the job done. Amen? The gifts of the Spirit have been given to us to lead people to Jesus. And see what happens here in this story is wonderful because it impacts a city. It impacts the world around her where she lived. You see, if we would become more active in the word of knowledge, if you and I were to really practice being open to receive the word of knowledge, we would probably start to see more doors open, have more success in seeing lost souls want to Jesus. Spiritual gifts make evangelism effective, amen? They are tools to get the job done. We could look also even in the, in the early church. In the early church, we've looked at the Old Testament, looked at the, the Gospels, and we look at the early church, how the word of knowledge often was something that opened all kinds of doors. And one example is in Acts 10. It talks about a God-fearing man called Cornelius. And he was a man who prayed. And anyway, he has this angelic visitation. And the Lord speaks to him a word of knowledge. And it goes like this. He says, in Joppa is a man called Peter. Send three men to him to tell him to come up here and he'll give you the words of truth. And at the same time, incredibly, somewhere else, Peter has a vision. And in this vision, the Spirit of God spoke to him. Three people, Peter, are, are looking for you. Anyway, he meets these guys. They meet together. And then, of course, he determines that he's going to go over to where Cornelius was, Cornelius' household. What was this? This was a word of knowledge. God gave Cornelius a word of knowledge of where Peter was. God spoke to Peter and Cornelius. Why? Because he wanted to do something. And it resulted, amazingly, in people being saved, in people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in people being you know, saved and washed clean of the sins. So many wonderful things that broke out as a result of a word of knowledge that came to Cornelius and Peter. God releases the word of knowledge, always for a purpose, to bring salvation, to open a door. I've known of how people have sometimes received words of knowledge of how they've managed somehow to get back into contact with family members that they've never known before. Isn't that powerful? Somehow through the word of knowledge, God's speaking, God has reunited families together that they never even knew about. That's how the word of knowledge sometimes can work. And so how else can these words of knowledge come? These words of knowledge come to minister to needs. And that's something we must never forget. It comes to minister to needs. It gives the facts that are necessary for us to minister to needs. For example, in my own life, there have been times when I've received a word of knowledge in different ways. And sometimes those words of knowledge are sometimes have been maybe even a words of caution or a word of, uh, of warning to someone. But sometimes there have been words where I've received a word that's been for someone who is in great need. Maybe it's, they're in financial ruin. They're going through a very tough time financially. And all of a sudden, my heart was stirred to either give or to raise awareness about that need. Maybe some of you have experienced that before. How did I know about this? Not naturally. It came supernaturally. It came in the place of prayer. I mean, haven't you loved it when you've been the recipient of someone who had a word of knowledge for you? How many have experienced that before? You're needing a serious breakthrough financially, and all of a sudden, kind of like the 11th hour, they give you a phone call. They come up to you and say, hey, the Lord prompted me, and, uh, and, and here you are. There's this money to basically meet your need. Isn't that wonderful when that God does that? God ministers to, to the word of knowledge to reach needs through a simple word. But just for a few moments as we're looking to land here today, I want us to just look a bit more practically. On a practical level, how does the word of knowledge usually come? Sometimes often the language of the Holy Spirit comes through impressions. 
The language of the Holy Spirit comes through pictures. Some of you have experienced that before. One of those can be sometimes mental pictures. And what happens is you, you have these reoccurring impressions of something or, or someone. Pictures in our minds that indicates how the Lord wants to touch others. Sometimes the Spirit may give us a word or, or, or a picture uh, to pass on to someone. Maybe sometimes God speaks to us through dreams. God speaks to us through visions. And of course, as we've seen in the Bible, we can experience angelic visitations. How many up for those? Yep. How many of uh, are those who here today who dream? You, you, God speaks to you through dreams. Please, would you stand up together, please? I'd like to just... Uh, you know, the wonderful thing about dreams is that... Is that we're not... We, sometimes people use the, the, use the reference that God's, you know, they're just, they're just dreamers. But actually, God reveals the word of knowledge through dreams. And God, I, I believe, wants to activate this gift in people's lives. Amen? God wants to activate the word of knowledge through dreams. And it doesn't mean that, it, that you're a dreamer, that your head is just in the clouds and you're no earthly good. God gives you dreams for a reason. And my prayer for you today is you just put, just put your post, yourself in a posture to receive now. So open your heart to the Holy Spirit even now. And Father, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray for an activation of more dreams, an increase of dreams. Pray, Father, for an increase words of knowledge in the areas of dreams. Just right now, just open your heart to the Holy Spirit now. And some of you may have even been in a place where you've actually questioned sometimes, um, why do I get these dreams? You know, do they actually mean anything? And I guess there is something to that. There is something that we need to realize that there is the interpretation of dreams. We need to know what to do with them. Like Joseph in the Old Testament, he, just, he didn't just receive dreams, but he knew how to interpret them. And sometimes it's important to join yourself to people who can help you interpret your dreams. But Lord, we just pray for an increase, activity of the Holy Spirit in dreams. Pray, Father, even from this day forward, we pray for an increase, just a, va a real swift increase of dreams over Kensington Temple in Jesus' name. Amen. You may, may be seated. So God speaks to us through dreams. He speaks to us through visions, uh, angelic visitations. And uh, sometimes also God can speak through emotional stirrings. What are those? Sometimes uh, God can actually speak to us uh, and, and our emotions sometimes we may be filled with sadness or joy or, or, or these kind of things. It might be a burden for a person and it leads us to pray for a person. Anybody experienced that before? Yeah. And that's the word of knowledge operating to pray for a person. It helps in, in the area of prayer to pray for that person. Thirdly, sometimes God can speak through sympathetic pains. Sometimes those, especially our senior minister and our associate minister, Colin Bruce, they, 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 for those that operate sometimes in the gift of healing, they, they, they work the art of knowing how to, to discern what God is actually doing in the body, what God is actually doing in people's bodies. And somehow, sometimes we may feel unusual pain in parts of our bodies uh, that indicate that the Lord wants to touch people in certain areas of their, of their body. Uh, another area might be physical sensations, um, experiencing the, the, the Spirit's presence. Maybe that might be energy or wind or uh, heat. You might feel that in your body and in a specific area of our bodies because the Lord is showing us that He wants to do something in their bodies. And so this, this is interesting. Now, it's important, of course, when you're in a public place or in a workplace, you don't really want to go to people and say, I'm feeling sensations in my body. Can I pray for you? That's not a good idea. In fact, you know, I would urge you not to say that, especially if you want to keep your job. But anyway, but it's important, of course, to apply wisdom. So you, you, you receive a word of, 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 of knowledge that someone, maybe in your workplace or in your place of education, that you, there's a word of knowledge for someone, so God wants to touch them. But the word of wisdom would be really, you know, you know that you, you want to say to them, look, God is speaking to me. That may, I'm sensing that maybe that God wants to do something in your body. Does this mean anything to you? And then, of course, usually people are quite open, aren't they, to receiving prayer. And this is how the word of wisdom and knowledge can sometimes uh, function together. Today, we might sometimes ask the question, well, how can we be sure if a, a word is a word of knowledge? 
and it's a good question to, to ask ourselves. Here are some simple tests that, um, that can sometimes apply to our situation. Um, one question we can sometimes ask is, are my own selfish desires leading me to speak? Is that the motivating factor? Or perhaps, um, am I sure I have a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit? Or is it my own opinion or ideas that are actually shaping uh, this? And quickly, just trying to move on quickly here, but thirdly, do I sense God's peace in my heart about giving this word? These are just some of these things that are really helpful if we want to be more effective in this area. Fourthly, am I personally upset or unhappy with someone? Am I holding a grudge against anybody else? And I would suggest if that you are troubled, if you are troubled about any of these areas, it's probably a good idea to speak to the Lord about it before you start operating in the word of knowledge. Um, really important that we make sure that our hearts are in check. But on a, on a practical level, how about your, your, in your devotional life? And in terms of when you're about, you go out into the big wide world, you get up early in the morning, how about this? How about incorporating into your devotional life, asking for the Holy Spirit to impart words of knowledge during the day? How many of that's a good idea? Yeah, be a good idea. Maybe you go into your workplace, education, and you know, in those times of special moments when you're seeking the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to give you pictures of people that you're going to meet in the day. Amen? Maybe even now, you, you, maybe you've maybe seen some people that God is showing you that to minister to, wherever God has positioned you. But it's good to allow, to make room for the Holy Spirit to give you pictures and signs. And to, maybe to give you words of knowledge for healing. Maybe that might be physical, it might be emotional. But to make ourselves ready, make ourselves available. Good questions to ask ourselves. How, how open am I to the Holy Spirit during the course of, of the day? When was the last time that the Holy Spirit actually spoke to me in the areas of the gifts of the Spirit? Am I making room for Him? Am I ignoring the Holy Spirit in any way? Um, often the Holy Spirit is not necessarily looking for, for people that have all the ability. He's just looking for availability. He's not looking for everybody uh, that's got all the, tick, all the tick boxes, that have got all the, the, the right things and have got all the great appearance and all of that, the right eloquence. He's just looking for available people, amen? He's looking for people that he can actually flow through. Can we uh, stand together? As I was preparing just the, last, the weekend, I was asking the Lord if there was anything that the Lord wanted to say to any of us here uh, today. I'd just like to share a few things um, that might apply to some of us here today. And um, one of the words that has been going on in my spirit just in the last couple of days, just going on and on and on, is the word restoration. And um, restoration means that God is the restorer. Bible says, He restores my soul. He is the great restorer. And when God brings restoration, He brings new life. He makes all things new. In fact, if you look at the word restoration in the Bible, it doesn't mean just actually uh, making something, putting it back to its original state. It actually means much more than that. Amen? It means God does actually even more. In your life, he does new things, he does new beginnings, he makes all things new. God has made us body, soul, and spirit. And so he's interested in our bodies being healed, but he's also very interested in healing our souls up. He restores my soul. And I sense even today that there are people here today that are wrestling with emotions that are taking them up and down like a yo-yo. It's like a lift. You're, one day you're down and the next you're up. And you're all these kind of emotions that are taking place. And some of these, I believe, are hopelessness. You're wrestling with emotions of hopelessness. You know, the scripture says that the hope deferred is makes the heart sick. And... You're experiencing a certain kind of sickness in your body, but actually the root of it is hopelessness. You've lost hope. You've stopped hoping in God, and all of a sudden you're finding yourself getting sick, and there are things that are taking place in your body that if only God, you would allow God to minister into your soul and to heal your soul up, there will be a change in your, in, in your whole outlook. Amen? And so God restores our souls. I just want to mention a few things. That hopelessness. If we can have the ministry team come to the front, that would be wonderful. Uh, hopelessness. 
I mean, if there are people here that are, are, are struggling with um, uh, forms of depression, forms of, of, of oppression, uh, and you've been struggling with these, some of these things for a long while, some of you are struggling with guilt, guilt over certain things that took place a long time ago, some of you be struggling with regret, all these different types of emotions that are going on in your life, but God wants to heal you up today, Amen. And even as the ministry team come forward, if some of these apply to you, I want you to come forward and come for prayer. Different emotions. God wants to heal your emotions up today. Amen. Uh, I, 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 someone here today, I, I felt that was, has been on a journey that God did a wonderful work in your life. Uh, and He cleaned you up. He forgave you of your sins. He's cleaned you up. He dusted you down. It's kind of like the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son came and of course what happens, he wasn't expecting to get anything. And then of course what happens, he gets a ring on his finger, the sign of royalty. And then of course he's, he gets some sandals put on his, on his feet and it's a sign of a new direction. God's taken him into new places. And that's what God has been doing in you. He's been doing all these things in you, but all of a sudden now you are trailing back to things that you used to do. You're going back to old habits. You're going back to old addictions. You're getting into bad company and it's leading down a, a bad path again. God wants you to, to breathe on you again today. And the scripture I have for you is Galatians 5. Flee from the flesh, but be filled with the Holy Spirit today. There is new life for you today. God wants to do a restoring work in you today. And so if you are here today, if there's anybody that's struggling with any kind of emotions, just come forward. Don't be afraid. If there are any things that you're struggling with, any areas of, of emotions, up and down, all constantly, up and down, every day, ask God to come and heal you today. And if that person is here today, that person who has actually been on a wrong path, I want to encourage you to come forward and be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Let new life come today. I see green, shoot, green shoots of new life coming to people in that place. Some of you, and this might be a general thing, this might be more than one, some of you are really struggling in a desperate uh, state with a position of, of job. You lost your job, you get a job, you lose a job, you get, you get it again. And uh, God wants to open new doors for you. There is, uh, but it, the, the, something needs to happen inside of you because you've lost hope again. You, you don't think anything's ever going to change. God wants to minister hope into your life. You know, I, uh, one of my guys in my cell, um, had a wonderful testimony just recently of, um, of how he went on a cycle. I think it was more than a year. Uh, he went on a cycle of, uh, of getting a job, then losing it. And he would get a job for maybe a week, then two weeks, and he would lose the job. And he came to a place of really came to the end of himself. He was just really frustrated. Nothing was happening. And, then, and so what happened was the Holy Spirit got a hold of him and, and, and wanted to take him on a journey for a week of fasting and praying. I mean, that's a good idea. If you come to the end of yourself, he went, and so he was prompted to go on a fast and pray for a whole week. Anyway, what happened after that week? All of a sudden, you know, beforehand, he was calling, 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 trying to call places for jobs. He was never getting any breakthrough. After that week, after that time of fasting and prayer, all of a sudden, they're calling him, saying, I've got a job for you. Would you like to take it? And see, what happens is when God brings a breakthrough, they start coming to you. You're not necessarily always chasing God wants to bring a breakthrough in jobs here today. So if you, you're in need of a job, but you're in a real desperate place, I want you to come forward as well. You need a breakthrough. But part of that is actually you getting faith back and hope back again. How many of you are in business? How many of you got involved in business or running a business? Would you please stand? Just put your hand up if you're in business. As far as a simple word is that, and invite the Holy Spirit into your business. The Holy Spirit wants access into your business. And, and business is not necessarily busyness. It's not necessarily about all the quantity of stuff that you do. In fact, maybe some of you are getting so busy that it's affecting different parts of your life and your family and everything. But actually, the Holy Spirit wants access into your business. And see what happens when the Holy Spirit moves in. He starts to open doors that you could never open. Amen. The Holy Spirit wants access into your business.
there's anyone here today who is having uh, strong pains up until today. You've been having strong pains in your head, um, sharp pains in different uh, areas of your head. Maybe it's your ear, maybe the behind of your eye. Uh, and, uh, and particularly, these things are actually affecting, affecting your ability to function at work. Uh, how many, does that apply to anybody here today? You've got, got things going on in your, okay. You, yeah, you're already in the line. That's great. If you can come forward. Pains in the head that are stopping your ability to function. God wants to bring a healing power today. He wants to bring a change. For every one of us here today, maybe some of these things don't apply to you, but I just want to encourage you to be in a posture of openness. Let's just lift up our hands to the Lord right now and say to the Holy Spirit, I'm available. I'm available. I may not be perfect. I may not have all the things ticked off, but I'm available today. I'm asking you to use me. I'm asking you to activate the gifts in my life today. You have positioned me in different arenas, in the arts. You've positioned me in the media and the sports and and business in different arenas. But God, now I'm praying for a breakthrough of the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, we pray over the whole house today. We pray for an activation of the gifts of the Spirit. An activation of the word of knowledge. Pictures, signs. Lord, we pray that this would be a new day for many here today. A change. Experiencing the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit at work in your classroom. The Holy Spirit turning up and doing things that you never expected Him to do. God doing a work of salvation brings healing signs and wonders. That's what God is taking us, church. That's what God is training and equipping us for. God wants to release a new power of the Holy Spirit upon His church. He wants to awaken you like never before. He wants you to come alive in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come and activate, stir up the gifts of the Spirit in us. May they be eagerly desired and eager, eagerly desired and wanted. Let this be a change today. our prayer today Holy Spirit break in Holy Spirit break out let your glory shine in let your glory shine out Holy Spirit break in Holy Spirit break out let your glory shine in Lord, today we say this afternoon we are available. We 
pray, Lord, for a change inside of us. We pray for a change around us. We pray for breakthrough around us. We pray this, Lord, so that your name, the name of Jesus Christ, will be lifted up high. And everyone said, Amen. Praise, praise God.